Well, good morning once again. Good morning to you who are joining us online. We are glad that you are with us. Now, I don't know what bulletin you got this morning. Uh, Some are the Australian style. They have the outside one way and the insides a different way. We did get that corrected. It's hard to get good help. Ah, We are in a a series called Life Hacks. And a life hack is something that you can do to make your life better, to make other people's lives better. And the Bible calls them the one another's. Now, did you get, sorry, did you get sermon notes? If you didn't get a copy of the sermon notes and you want a copy, raise your hand. Now, there are no more. There is a blank copy on the copier that you can print. And I've got this one. This one's up for auction. Do I hear one dollar? One dollar. All right. If somebody wants some, we want to get them to them. Let me tell you, serve one another in love. One of the ways that I serve you is to provide sermon notes. And I make it easy. It's fill in the blank. You know, it's really easy. And, you know, people have different styles of learning. Some people like to take notes. Some people don't. I want to encourage you to to take notes because sermon notes do, do three things. First off, they help you to retain what was said. When you write it, when you see it, when you hear it, it it sticks with you. Secondly, they remind you of what was said. And third, they they reinforce what was said. So if you didn't get one, when he comes back, I want to see him running all around here trying to give people sermon notes, okay? He needs the exercise, and we can do that for him. If you're online, there's a copy of the sermon notes. I think it's in the chat section of, of Messenger there on Facebook. Let me tell you a little bit about our online community. You know, when you meet here, you you don't really know that we have an online community and it stretches across the globe. We have people in the Philippines, we have people in China, England, Canada, uh, various states that watch us. And I get feedback sometimes. Actually, on the sermon notes, I was talking to someone recently and she said, I love your sermon notes. She said, they they become a part of my midweek study. I just love to have them. So she's online. She downloads them. She prints them off, fills them out, puts them in her Bible, and uses it for her midweek study. Last week, um, last week we did comfort one another. No, what did we do? Value. Value one another. And I had a ladder up here as an illustration. And there's a young lady and her daughter who live in London that watches. Daniel Reed, she got baptized right there in, in that tank. And she was watching with her six-year-old daughter, Lyra or Lyra? Lyra. And now, you've got to understand this. Daniel was educated at Oxford University. Her husband was educated at Oxford University. So I'm assuming that six-year-old Lyra has a, a, you know, an IQ just somewhere above mine. But she, they were watching the sermon together, and she loved the sermon. And do you remember I had the ladder out here? had a ladder out here, and it was kind of an illustration, and the ladder represented various things, but one of the things it represented is that Jesus is the ladder. He is our bridge back to God. Our sin separates us from God, and and Jesus became the ladder. Well, Lyra kind of took the ladder thing uh, a little too literally. Um, Where is it here? I know I wrote it down. Oh, I thought I... There you go. She said... Why do you need a ladder to get to God? That's a great question for a six-year-old, isn't it? Why do I need something to get to God? And then she said, what if you're really tall already? (laughs) And what if you don't have a ladder? Which is pretty neat. And Daniel said, you know, I had a list of things that add value and things that steal value. And she said they got into some really interesting conversations after the sermon about how we add value to people's lives and how we steal value. So we have an online community that you, you know, you, you, you don't know, but it's there. And they're pretty consistent. We have people in Oklahoma that watch every week, Florida, all over the place. So, hey, everybody turn around, look at the camera and wave and say, hello. And you all wave back. <laughs> all right. 
let's collect my thoughts. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you for technology that enables us to be connected with people across the globe right now in different time zones, Father. There, there are people that are doing church at Lakeway. Some of them are having dinner. Some of them are having breakfast. Some of them are sat right here. Some of them are having afternoon tea. But it is your spirit that, that connects us and makes us a part of one. And we thank you for that, Father. We really need the oneness of your Holy Spirit right now on this planet. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The world changes in a very short time, doesn't it? Last week, we had the rumor of war. And I think everybody was kind of thinking, that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to do that, are they? And then we've seen it progress and progress and progress. And I'm not going to get into the details of this morning's events, but it's not good. We hoped that diplomacy and negotiation would work, but that didn't happen. And, and, and what's so sad for me is that we've just been through this great big long dark tunnel of COVID. You know, we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks at the beginning. Do you remember that? When it very first started, March, Easter was in April. And, and when we had shut down at the church, we were still planning our April Easter service because we thought we'd all be done. Two years later... And we're still, we're, we're kind of out of the, coming out of the tunnel, but, you know, we know people who are still suffering from the effects of COVID, and we've done funerals for, for loved ones, that people that sat right there that died of COVID, and, and you're coming out of this tunnel, and you think, ah, oh, there's a light, and all of a sudden, there's a longer, darker, deeper tunnel, and we don't even know where it ends, and it's scary. And I thought, how do, how do I, as a pastor, respond to this situation this morning? Maybe put the series we're in, Life Hacks, on hold for a week and, and talk about where we're at. Serving one another in love was, was the message for this morning. And, and as I kind of read through that message and I was praying through God, how to, we need to respond to this situation as Christians. We can't pretend there's not an elephant in the room. And God showed me how these two things actually fit together. So let me, let, let me explain. So as I said, we're in this series called Life Hacks. And a life hack is something you do to make life better. And the, the Bible describes them as the one another's. Rules for living Christian lives together that we got right from the get-go. So a life hack is something you do to make your life better and to make the lives of the people around you better. And we need that, don't we? We really need that. You know, the Bible says that God uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So let's let him use us for the good of others. That's, that's what being a servant in love is all about. Our core scripture this morning is Galatians 5.13. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And I believe, you know, gosh, we've had so much that divides us in the last two and a half years. And one of the ways I think that God uses terrible, difficult things for good, like the situation that we're in right now, it gives us opportunity to look past the things that divide us to the things that unify us. Who we are in Christ, Christ's love. And forget all that stuff about, well, I don't have to wear a mask. Why do I, shouldn't wear a mask? Blah, 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 blah. Put it aside. Who else needs a, an outline? That's okay. Lift your hand. I saw one over here, one over here. This is what I like to see. I like to see him running. Can we, once he's over here, if I could get someone back there to raise their hand, that would be, that would be good. So the things that unite us are, are God's love. And getting back to the core of, of what it means to be Christian. 
and to care for one another and to love one another. And look at those things that, that unite us. We are intense times. And, and sometimes it, it just seems like the trouble is never ending. And there's so much uncertainty. And uncertainty causes stress. It causes strain. It affects relationships. So much unknown. Well, how do we cope when we are faced with uncertainty and unknown. So I got two themes going on this morning. We're going to merge them together. This theme of serving one another in love and the theme of how do we cope with uncertainty. And we're going to go down one and then we're going to merge them together, all right? Here's how we cope with uncertainty. We look to that which is certain. We look to that which is known. That is known. My wife's going to tell me off. How, what's the right grammar here, Sandra? It looks good. I've got a thumbs up. <laughs> Some of my friends online are going, no, they'll, they'll tell you. We look to that which is certain. We look to that which is known. Well, what is certain? The rock-solid promises of our God. The unchanging nature of our God. These are things that are rock-solid. They are certain. He is unchanging. All of his promises that he has given are for you and me in Christ Jesus. You can count on that. What are some of the promises? He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will be with you always. One of the other promises he gave us is, in this life you will have trouble. But I have overcome this world. And what is known? The Lord's revealed word. We know that God's word is true. It is real. We can go to that which we know for certain. So we're going to turn to his word this morning and remind ourselves of what is known and what is certain. And then I'm going to give you some practical steps to staying strong when facing uncertainty. Okay? Does that make a plan? Anybody else need a, an outline? All right. Everybody's got one. Good. So go back to our passage of scripture there. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You have been called to freedom, called to live in freedom. In Christ, you have been given freedom. It is your calling. It's interesting when you analyze the scripture, you have been called to live in freedom. You haven't just been given freedom. You've actually been called out. Jesus has called you out. He says, I want you to live in freedom. This is your destiny. This is my purpose for you. I am calling you to freedom. Now, if you're living your life and, and you're a slave to something, and, and we can be slaves to, to, to all different kinds of things, can't we? The sin in our lives and, and fear, anxiety is kind of up there right now. And those can lead to all kinds of Drive people to all kinds of self-medication and self-help, alcohol, drugs, all manner of binging. Pornography, gossip, control. There are all kinds of addictions out there just waiting to take you prisoner. If you're not living in freedom, you're not living your calling. You're not living your best. And the problem with all these things that hold us prisoner is, is that they promise us some relief, but the relief is temporary and it only creates a greater need and you're even more held prisoner. And that's what addiction is all about. God desires to be the solution to our fear, our anxiety, our uncertainty, and all of our issues. He says, I want to be the answer. Not that bottle, not that drug, not that TV show, not that gossip, not whatever it is you're watching on the screen. I want to be the answer to your anxiety. I want to be the answer to your fear. I was reading Psalm 118 yesterday. It's a wonderful, hope-filled passage of Scripture. When you get home, read Psalm 118. But verses 5 through 7, it says, In my distress I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. That's God's word. That's his promise. And, you know, right, right here, let me just say this. If you're not living in freedom, and we're all tied down with something to some degree, 
But if you're not living in freedom and you're tied up with an addiction or something in your life and and you've wanted to be set free from it and you haven't been able to get set free from it. (laughs) You know, I hear people say, um, the Lord helps those who help themselves. No, he doesn't. (laughs) It's not in the Bible. The Lord helps them who humble themselves and trust in him. And if you're stuck in something, and and I'll guarantee you, there are people in this room who are stuck in something. It holds them prisoner. They're not free. And you're getting to the point where you're sick of it. And maybe you've tried this, you've tried that. And and sometimes we just give up. If, If you're serious about getting free of it, contact me. And I'll point you in the right direction because we have resources to help people. You, most of this stuff, you're not going to get over on your own. And you know that in your heart. You need help. To humble yourself and ask for help is a big step. Did I put my email address up there? Go to the next slide, please. There you go. Contact me. My safe Lakeway email address. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So what was the freedom that Paul was talking about when he wrote to this church in Galatia? Well, there were two two parts to this. We are called to be free of the trappings of religion. It's kind of an interesting one for a Sunday morning, isn't it? Called to be free of the trappings of religion. Being a slave to all the rules, the regulations, the dogma, we don't have to earn God's favor. Isn't that nice to know? You don't have to earn God's favor. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you already have God's favor. Regardless of the stupid things that you might do, that I might do. You don't have to earn your righteousness. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. If we have to earn our righteousness to stand in front of God, sin-free, we're all in trouble, right? We need a different righteousness. Well, Jesus is our righteousness. And that's what Paul was writing to this church. Don't go back to that that holds you slave, feeling like you have to earn God's favor, feeling like you have to earn God's righteousness. You are righteous in Jesus Christ, so be free of that stuff. But, there's a but. But we are also to be free of the trappings of the sinful nature. In other words, Jesus didn't die on the cross and forgive us of our sins simply for us to get a ticket to heaven and go and live like hell. Oh gosh, you can't say that. Yeah, I can. I'm trying to make a point here and I want to get your attention. That was never Jesus Christ's intention that we should have a ticket that allows us to go and live any way we want to live, regardless of God's rules and God's statutes. When we were set free from the law, that didn't mean that that we were set free from the rules. People will say, I don't have to follow the law. No, I think it's still wrong to murder. I think it's still wrong to commit adultery. I think it's still wrong to lie. I think it's still wrong to dishonor your mother and father. It's still wrong to take the Lord's day in vain. It's still wrong to not keep the Sabbath holy. I'm not judged on those things. Jesus Christ set me free from that. That doesn't mean that I'm free from the statutes of the law, from living the way that Christ called us to live. We're not free of religion simply to be indulgent. We are to be free of the trappings of religion, free of the trappings of our sinful nature. Well, how do you do that? By taking on the faithfulness of our Christian nature. When you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the first thing he does, he gives you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and begins to change you so that the person you are begins to resemble Jesus Christ. And then there's a process that we go through all of our lives to becoming Christ-like. That's what it means to be Christian. And the very essence of our our Christian likeness is to be a servant. Jesus Christ was a servant at very essence. That's what this scripture is all about. Serve one another in love. Now, to understand this, you've got to look at, at what Jesus said about serving. Matthew twenty twenty. 
Let me set the scene. This is a really funny, comical passage of Scripture if you put it, if you look at the context. So right before this, Matthew 20, 20, for about the last chapter, Jesus has been teaching on a number of things. But two or three times in that teaching, he talks about humility. He talks about the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And then he changes course. He pulls his disciples aside because he's been teaching to the crowd. He pulls his disciples aside and he tells them what is about to happen to him. He's about to go to the cross. So he tells them clearly, he says, I'm going to be betrayed and handed over to the leaders of the church. I'm going to be sentenced to die. And he says these words, I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be crucified. Now he's having this conversation with his disciples. What do you think the next conversation is? Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right, the other on your left. Now, I doubt very much whether James and John didn't know she was going to do this. In fact, I kind of have a feeling that maybe they didn't want to ask Jesus. So they asked mom to ask Jesus. It's like they haven't heard anything in the three years that they've been with Jesus. Like, did you miss this? I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to, well, seeing as you're going up to heaven, maybe you could get a couple of spots ready for us. Could we have the one on the left and the right, please, Jesus? And then to make it worse, down in verse 24, it says, When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, so there, now it's James and John had asked, they were indignant. We want those seats. What right do you guys have to go up to Jesus and ask for those seats? Well, Peter, you know, maybe he should have the seat. And Jesus has just told them this terrible thing that's going to happen. And these guys are fighting over who gets the seat of honor. And he's listening to this ruckus going on, and, and he interrupts. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be your leader among you must be your servant. Doesn't say it's a good idea. It says if you want to lead, you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. He ups the ante. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving is what we do. But we serve with a servant's heart in love. And it's not a lowly thing. It is our highest calling. You are called to be free, free from the trappings of life, free from the constraints of religion, free to serve in love love. It's what you're designed for. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. All right, let me tie this together. So we've got this theme and we've got this other theme of anxiety and uncertainty. Now I'm going to tie them together. How are you going to do that, Pastor Mike? You must be wonderful. Oh no, humility. (laughs) Second Corinthians. There's a beautiful passage of scripture in second Corinthians chapter one, verses three and four. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great start. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles, in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. They're serving. God, I'm worried. I'm scared. I don't know what the future holds. I need your comfort. 
but I'm going to give you my comfort. But I'm going to give it so that you can go and comfort someone else in love. Anyone in need of some comfort? Give me an amen if you're in need of some comfort. I'm in need of some comfort. If you're online and you need some comfort, give us an amen. I want to see Sandra looking on there and go, oh my gosh, all these people are giving us an amen. Don't be proud. I need comfort. It's scary right now. We got some comforts online. That's awesome. You know, sometimes we just want to snuggle up with our blanket, don't we? Get a nice hot cup of tea or whatever your drink is. I'm into this chocolate mint tea and I put creamer in it. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And you just want to escape. You know, just kind of wrap up and get away from it. Just disappear for a moment, don't you, sometimes? What Jesus is saying, he says, I want to be your comforter. I want to be your blanket. I want to be the one that, that you run to when you're scared. He wants to put his loving arms around you and let you know I'm with you. I've not deserted you. No matter what's happening, I am still your God. I still love you. I am still with you. I am eternal. I am bigger than this. He is the source of all comfort. He wants to comfort you in this time of uncertainty. Now, how is that going to happen? Because it was easy for the pastor to say, God wants to comfort you. See you later. What's the practicality of this? So I've got some steps for you. Four steps, all right? Step number one, don't do it alone. Stay in God's community. Isolation, to varying degrees has become somewhat normal for many people. I know a lot of people who, you know, got isolated through COVID and still have not come back. And when I talk to them, it's like, no, I'm just so afraid. Okay, I get that. But we're in a restaurant. (laughs) And it's become a habit. It's like, I just want to stay at home and I just want to hide and, and... Don't do it alone. You need to be part of a group of people who love on one another, who care for one another, who listen to one another. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You are way too much for one person. (laughs) Can I hear an amen without you looking at your partner? (laughs) You are way too much for one person. You need a group. It's the only way you're going to get through this. It's the only way your, your loved one is going to get through it is if you have a group to help carry the load. I jest, but you do. I do. I love my wife. My wife loves me. There's no one I would rather spend time with than Sandra. But for her sanity and mine, we need other people in our lives as well. And a part of this, this isolation is that we've got little groups of people that, that that's, they're just together all the time and you start driving each other nuts. You need other people in your lives. Sometimes together with others, sometimes on your own with others. Sandra's got friends. She's got her small group. They go for dinner sometimes. She's got her book club. She goes for lunch with people. I go over to Randy's and we cook ribs sometimes or over to Hector's and take a break from people. Once a month, the elders, we we get together. We had it yesterday. We have a breakfast. We don't talk about work. We just have breakfast. And you could just talk about the world. We could talk about stuff. We all need that. We're not designed to do it alone. We are designed to be in community. But the community that you choose to be in is very important. Stay away from negative people. Now, you've got to love on negative people, but you don't want them to be your primary person. Every time you go over to see so-and-so, you come back and you're just... I tell you what, when our kids were younger, we prayed for certain relationships and we prayed against certain relationships. Because who you hang with makes a difference. 
You need to hang with the right people. You need to hang with people who are going to build you up and strengthen you in Christ. And you're going to build them up and strengthen them in, in Christ. This is why we do the men's retreat, guys. If you're not signed up for the men's retreat, you need to sign up for the men's retreat. Number one, it gives your wife a break. And number two, it brings strength to us. You talk to people that have been to the men's retreat. It brings strength to us. We come back differently. If you're not signed up, you need to sign up. Go to the bulletin, sign up. Go to the website, sign up. There's something out there. No, you can't sign up in the bulletin, but out there and on the website. I have a friend, used to be the associate pastor here, Chuck. Him and I call each other. But we have a regularly scheduled call every second Friday. No matter what's going on, 9 o'clock on every second Friday, Chuck and I talk. Just because. It's in my schedule. I'm going to connect with him. It's a beat, Dan, but... No, I don't even know if he's watching. The heartbeat of Lakeway. You got your bulletin? Bulletin? You know what my, my great, my, my niece in London said last week? The accent's hard to deal with. It's like, no, please. The heartbeat of Lakeway is our small group community. If you know nothing else about this church, the essence of this church is our small group communities. That's what this church is built on. I don't like to say this, but I'm going to say it. If you have to miss one thing in a week, I'd rather you miss this than your small group. Because that's where life change happens. And at your small group, they'll say, be in church on Sunday. So you won't miss this. The percentage of people in this church that are in small groups is way above any other church that I know of. This is what we do. And if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a community, you need to get in one. We've got, uh, we've got the woman's small group that meets on Monday. Sandra, would you wave? She leads that group. Tuesday, men's small group. Bob, I saw you here. Where are you? Over there. Women's movers and seekers small group. Would you wave, Kelly? Exercise is an important part of keeping yourself emotionally. That group is all about emotional, spiritual, and physical health, right? Try to get all of it in there. The Kitchen group. Now, Amy's down there, and I'm not... Oh, Chris is out of town. Wednesday is youth. Thursday, we've got the men's small group, Kevin. Tim, is he here today? Uh, we're, oh, he's down there doing streaming. Tim and Denise do the, do the Thursday group. Friday morning, we have a fellowship group. It's on hold right now. Donna, I thought I saw you there. She is, Donna. Now you're getting guilt trip coming your way, lady. <laughs> on Tuesdays, I never, it's not in the bulletin. I'm part of a virtual small group with um, family from England and, and friends from Florida. If you're not in a group, you need to get in a group. It's better for you. Your life will be better. The lives of your family members, the people around you, will be better when you're connected beyond just you and them and your regular world friends. You need Christian community in your life. Being isolated is exactly what Satan wants. Divide and conquer. Because then he can feed you negative thoughts. And maybe you've got that one negative friend that'll just keep it up and keep it going. And it's not good. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. And down in verse 12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are even, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. How would it be if there was five, or six, or seven? 
Now you're talking strength. We were not designed to be isolated. We were created to be in community. Kelly Biggs is always telling Sandra how much she loves the group. She's out every night these days at something, lunch or movies or with the ladies. And that's a good thing. Here's something. The happiest people I know are groupies. Look at Hector. No, he didn't say that, did he? Second step. Double down on God's word. Now, this may seem like a, duh, that's a church answer, right? And I know I've said this joke so many times. It's just so true. It's like the Sunday school kid, right? The teacher says, what, what's, what's a small rodent with a bushy tail and eats nuts and lives in a tree? And the kid says, and it sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> this may sound like the Sunday school answer. You're in church. Read your Bible. No, there's a lot more to it than this. This is all about limiting the negative and extenuating the positive. Limiting your negative input. The unknown and the fear of it generates strange things. We kind of have to peek, don't we? I want to know. I just, I just want to know. I, I don't want to know, but I want to know. I remember 9-11, binging on watching those airplanes fly into those buildings over and over and over. And it got to a point where we both said, we've got to stop. You've got to stop. And now this whole thing with Ukraine and Russia and the fear, you know, where does it end? Are we going to World War III? And I can't, you know, I'm putting this together and, and, and I've got live webcams in Kiev and I'm watching that while I'm doing this. And even this morning I got up, you know, first thing, what, what happened? Here's the thing, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. And the media doesn't know. Don't believe everything that you read and you hear in the news. You've got to understand that those news agencies are a business. They make money on advertising. That's how they make their money. The more viewers, the more readers, the more clicks they have, the more money they make. They're not interested in giving you balanced information. They're interested in keeping you hooked for more times and longer times because the more you do that, the more money they make. So they're going to put bait out there to draw you in. And the fear of the unknown is such a beautiful thing to draw people in. Got to keep going back. Got to find out what's happening. Got to go. You need to give yourself a break. We're driving here this morning and I start telling Sandra the news and she said, I don't want to talk about it. I look at it in the morning. I look at it in the evening. I'm not listening to it all day long. There's nothing I can do about it. I don't need to feed on it. She didn't say all those, but I know what was going on in her head. And she's absolutely right. I became the negative person that she doesn't need. Take a break. Don't bury your head. Don't be an ostrich, but don't OD on the news. Limit the amount of time you spend on negative input and increase the time you spend on positive input. This is where you double down on your reading. I don't know where you're at with your reading scripture, but I'm going to encourage you right now. Double it. Pick it up and double it. For some of you, that's going to be two verses. <laughs> that's okay. Read two verses. For some of you, that might be four chapters. Renew your focus on what is true. Renew your focus on what is certain. God's living word is true. God's living word is certain. Focus on the word. Make it a point, maybe, to learn some scripture, some uplifting scripture. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
Verse 9 points to the third step. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Like some versions, it says, the peace of Christ will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. Just think of that image. Sandra brought this to me one time. She, she learned this passage. She said, you know, I'm just thinking about a guard over my heart. And when something negative comes along, the guard says, you ain't getting in here. A guard over your head. The stuff that we even go to to fill ourselves with negativity, it's like crisis standards. It ain't coming in. I'm going to make you dislike that stuff. I'm going to give you an appetite for my word, my truth, my hope, my love. Step three, do what you are designed to do. I had a different one and I had to take it out. Why didn't I even mention it? If you want to reduce stress, anxiety, and fear in your life, if you want to deal with the unknown of the monster under the bed or in the closet in a healthy manner, become a servant. might not seem intuitive. Become a servant. It will change your focus. It will change your mindset. Back to this scripture about comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Part of the way that God comforts others is through you and me. It's got flesh and bone. Look to ways that you can help people. Changes your focus. It changes your mindset. Call someone. Encourage someone. Go for lunch. Exercise together. Go for a walk together. Don't talk about all the negative things. Talk about the passage of Scripture that you just read that was uplifting and good. Join a ministry team. We need help with our children's ministry. We need help with our youth. There's all kinds of things. We're at a weird point at Lakeway because people have started coming back. But we have a shortage of, of servants who are willing to help. So we've got the same people back there doing children's church week after week after week. We don't ever see them in church. We used to have two services. We're not ready for two services. So they could come to one and serve in the other. And then now they're not serving. They're not at church because they're serving every week. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone, but if you want to know the peace of Jesus Christ, you need to grab hold of your destiny. You're destined to serve. That's what you're here for. In love. Flip. Where are you, bud? Flip's going to come up and accompany me. Just like big churches. Step four. I added this one this morning. So online you've got three steps and there's four steps. And I added this one this morning. I was reading through the news this morning and I was thinking of the uncertainty of everything. And I thought, what is the greatest act of service that we can do for someone? We can tell them about Jesus. Know where you're going. We don't know where this is going, but you can know where you're going. And you can help others to know where they're going. That is the most wonderful act of servitude and love that that you can be a part of. Do you know where you're going? If this whole thing went crazy in the next two weeks and people start dropping bombs, do you know where you're going? Because that's all that really matters in your life. This life is temporary. Everybody gets to leave this life. We don't always get to choose how. But this is not permanent. Do you know where you're going? Do you know for sure where you're going? And it's so very, very easy. It's so easy that it's easy to resist because we think there's something we should do to earn it. 
Surely Jesus wouldn't accept a low-life sinner like me. Surely Jesus wouldn't want someone who's done what I've done. Surely Jesus wouldn't want someone who thinks the way I think. Surely Jesus wouldn't forgive me. He only came for broken people. He only came for people that are not worthy of his forgiveness. That's all that's on offer. That's you and me. And if you've never, ever taken that step, if you don't know, if somebody dropped a bomb on this place today and you don't know where you're going, you need to get that settled today. We don't know how many days we have, do we? Drive down to Main Street, get run over by a truck. And what about the people you love that don't know? Think about that. Who do you need to share the love of Jesus Christ with? God uses all things, and this tense time is a time when God turns hearts to Him. There is an opportunity right now for us to share the love of Jesus Christ with people who might not normally be open to it, because all of a sudden, they're a little bit scared, and they're wondering what's going to happen, and now you have opportunity. But if you've never taken that opportunity, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody, whether you've taken it or not. Coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that your future is with God in heaven, in paradise. It's a simple case of ABC. You admit that you're a sinner, that you've done wrong, that you need forgiveness. You believe that Jesus came down to forgive you of your sin. He died on that cross. One man took upon himself the sin of all people. And C says you confess, you tell him, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. I want you to come into my life. I want to be yours. I want to know that if I pass, when I pass on from this world, I will be with you. And if you've never done that, I'm going to lead us in a simple, simple prayer right now. And you can pray this prayer, whether you're online, whether you watch this next week, whether you're here right now. Just say this prayer, dear Jesus, I want to believe in you. I want you to come into my life. I want the forgiveness of my sin. I trust that you died for my sin. Please help me to believe. Come in and change my life. I want to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus. And while we've got our eyes closed, if you're one of those people that you've backslidden, you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, maybe this is a time in the month for you to step up and say, God, I need to put this back in gear again. Jesus, I need to refresh. I need to return to you. Change me. Strengthen me. Bring me back to you. I need your comfort, God, so that I can comfort others. You have set me free so that I can serve. I want to serve. I need your community. I need your word. I need your forgiveness. And I need to serve you. And I want to. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Announcements. And then we're going to do something a little different, okay? Good morning, Lakeway family. Those online, I love what you said. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we're all going to be glad and rejoice in it. Got a couple announcements for you today. As far as uh, looking at your bulletin, 
One of the first things that we want to share is if you're a ministry lead, immediately after service, we're going to actually have a calendar planning meeting. This allows us to go ahead and put everything for the year on a calendar so we don't repeat ourselves and uh, we can prepare ourselves for those upcoming events. Second thing I want to talk about is Pastor Welcome Lunch, which we just now started back up doing. The first one's going to be March 6th. It's from 1215 on. And guys, let me tell you what Pastor Lunch is. For those that are new to Lakeway for the last year or so, you want to be, two years, want to be more familiar with what Lakeway's all about, then you actually actually get to have lunch with the pastor and a few of the elders. And uh, lunch will be provided, but we do need to know if you're going to attend. Uh, you can just simply go back to uh, Sandra and just let her know if you're going to be uh, attending. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. And we prepare all the meals. Or fill, fill out a card on the communication card and then just pass it in uh, when you leave. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is benevolence needs. Uh, chili, crackers, peanut butter, jelly. Guys, there's still a need out there. Uh, whatever you bring to the church uh, goes to people in need. Uh, we have visitors visit this church on a daily basis, and that's where that goes to. You know, I want to mention something. Uh, my wife and uh, a bunch of ladies went to the Heart Strong Faith Conference and it was just really exciting to see a handful of women that went to this conference Friday night and uh, most of the day Saturday. What was more exciting about it is, is that uh, her cousin Sherry came in from Houston just to go to that conference. And I'm listening to the two ladies talk about how wonderful it was. They allowed all their frustrations to be put on side so they can go listen to Jesus and listen to all the announcers, that, uh, all the speakers there. And it was really cool to say, hey, did you like her? Did you like what she said? And wasn't that neat? And the, and the music was terrific. Ladies, uh, if you got to be a part of that, that was great. But on top of this, they left all their frustrations. And I'm going to advise you, I said this a couple of weeks ago, send your frustrations to the men's retreat. Uh, it's coming up. We're only a month away, guys. But on a serious note, um, I think we've attended maybe 20 years of men's retreats. And right now we have about 18 people, and, and I expect us to have at least 40 or more. I'm not going to undercut what God's going to do to this retreat. But we went ahead and prepared for at least 40. We need to know if you're coming. Don't procrastinate. I said that a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of folks looked at me, and they said, we've been ignoring you the whole time. I just didn't know if you needed it. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go ahead and sign up. Sign up today. There's a lot to be prepared for. Uh, we only have four weeks left. If you're new to the Lakeway retreat, as Ma Pastor Mike said, we've had gentlemen go to the retreat where we drugged them there. And literally after the retreat, they said, I couldn't imagine not being a part of something special like this. And I uh, want to encourage you to be a part of the men's retreat. And one of the things I could tell you is, is each year I made a commitment to me and my family that I wanted to change. And I told myself, this is what I want to do better. And I told my wife as a, as a accountability partner to say, help me. Now, I'm still working on listening. That's been going on for 20 years now. But as far as being patient with our children, uh, respecting her and holding her to the highest. And, and Lord, Lord knows that uh, God wants us to be the men he's created us to be. Don't procrastinate. You know, you make things what's important to you as a priority and make this a priority. Um, what else? Again, if you're new to Lakeway, we're glad you're here. Ties and offerings in front of your chair, there is actually an envelope. You can actually uh, put your ties in there as you leave. There's a basket that you can place there. Prayer request. Guys, very, very important. If there's a prayer in your life that you'd like to share, there's a card in front of your, your chairs. Go ahead and fill it out. And then there's a, actually you can make that a private prayer request. It goes straight to our pastor. Uh, I'd like others to pray uh, or please call. Guys, let's pray for one another. Let's keep each other lifted up. And then last but not least, if you are new to Lakeway, we're blessed to have you. It's no surprise God intended you to be here. Or if you're listening online, there's a reason why you listen to this message. But we'd like to listen and hear that you are attendee of Lakeway. In front of your chairs, there's a uh, welcome letter. Please fill it out. Let us know that you are here. And with that, give it back to Pastor Mike. Thank you, Hector. A couple of things. See the guy doing sound there? He is the ultimate shy hermit. So I'm not going to make him come up here. But this is his last Sunday. He's moving way out of town to his hermit lifestyle. 
where he'll happily watch Chelsea soccer. And um, so everybody turn and look at Wade and say, we love you. We'll be praying for you. Okay. With that said, I want to end the service a little bit different. And I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but I do want to do something. We need to pray. We're facing situations like we haven't seen in the world before. A lot of people are in fear. A lot of people are uncertain. And more than any time ever, I think we need to be in prayer. So I'm going to ask the elders to come on up here for a minute. I just need to see. We've got one, two, three, four here. So here's what I'm going to do. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, so you pray as you feel comfortable. But I'm going to get one elder to go down there. One elder to go over there. One elder here for the... Uh, one here and here. You can come and be part of this. And gather over. Get together and gather over. Get close to one another. If you would get in the middle of that, that, that group down there, I'm, I don't know how this is going to work. All I know is that we need to pray. We need to be calling on the Lord. So I want you in little groups to be praying. If you would lead it, elders... Pray as you feel comfortable. If you're not comfortable, I don't want to put you in a difficult spot. Just stand there and be quiet. And while they're praying, I'm going to pray. And Flip, would you come up and play something for us, buddy? I liked what you were doing there. It kind of sets the atmosphere. So pray, elders, if you would just lift up prayer. And I'm going to pray in general for everybody. Father, we just thank you for this time. As your people, we call upon your name. Father, we need you. We need you to intervene in this situation that we face in the world. We are in a situation like we've never seen before, but it's not out of your hands. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are over all things, Father. Father, I pray right now that you would begin to change hearts, that you would change Putin's heart, Father. That you would make a movement in Russia, that those people would uprise against what is going on. I pray for the troops in Ukraine to lay down their arms and that we would see peace restored. Father, we ask for your protection. We ask that you would use this time to bring people back to you, to know you and to love you. Father, we thank you for your holy love and your holy presence in our lives. Encourage us. Bring peace to us. Bring hope to us. Help us to see your light, we pray in Jesus' name. Let your spirit.